This is episode 220 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing Men's Roundup 2018, Make Today His, with Matt Michelados. This is session three from Saturday night. I've just been informed that I officially do not have to follow that, which is, uh, makes me feel better. I'm glad that I don't have to follow it. Good. Uh, let's, we'll just, I don't know. Uh, uh, the kitchen staff wanted me to let you know that those steaks were only one pound. They were concerned that I was exaggerating the weight and size. However, I weighed myself afterwards and I've gained 13. So someone's math is off. I'm not sure. I asked them why the food is so good here, because I go to a lot of retreats in a year, like many retreats, and it's amazing here. And uh, yeah, good job. Oh, so good. Yeah, they told me that after the snake outbreak in 74, that they uh, changed that. They said, we have to get the men to stop complaining about the food. Uh, and this is the easiest way is to make it amazing. Because, yeah, they, the snakes had to be imported, actually, because there's not lots of poisonous ones in this area. Um, but, you know, God does what he does. Um, a few of you have been asking me if I can sign books and, and things like that, and I'm glad to do that. Uh, in fact, tonight I'll go sit in the merch tent. So if you want to bring by a book that you've already purchased, or uh, they're almost out over there, actually. Um, I'm, I'm glad to do that. FYI, and I'm here tomorrow too, so just grab me whenever. Uh, hey, as I've been praying tonight, just even during worship, I feel like the Lord put this story on my heart, and it has nothing to do with the talk, so it's like messing stuff up, but whatever, I just do what God says. Um, don't judge me for this not matching the rest. Uh, so I'm assuming this is for someone here, but I don't know who. Uh, so if you would just listen closely and then tell your friend if you think it was for them. Um, I, uh, I work as a missionary with Crew, which is Campus Crusade for Christ. I've been working with them for 20 years. So I've done ministry all over the world in a variety of locations and a, a variety of vocations within that. One year... A few years ago, I was speaking at a student conference. It was all college students and our crew staff who were there. And we had a time uh, where we were talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And, and there was a time toward the end where I just said to people, if you want to make for the first time a decision to follow Jesus, uh, you, can, you can do that right now, right where you're sitting. It's really easy. And after the talk, I was down front, and I was talking to some students, and this staff from Crew and his wife came up to me. And I've known them, uh, in fact, I married them. Uh, so I, I've known them for years. Good, solid folks. And obviously, to join staff with Crew, you have to be a Christian. It's a missionary organization. And the husband looks at me, and he says, great talk tonight. Uh, I prayed to receive Christ for the first time during it. And I said, oh, ha, ha, very funny. Thank you. I mean, that's so kind of you. And then his wife goes, Matt, so insensitive. And I was like, what? And she said, he's serious. And I looked at him and he burst into tears. And he said, my mom was so on top of how I had to be a Christian 
that I pretended for years. And then I met this woman who wanted to be a missionary so bad, and I fell in love with her, and I was afraid she would leave me if I told her the truth. So I married her knowing that I wasn't a Christian, and I told her on our honeymoon that I wasn't. And then I hated that we were going to break her dream of being a missionary, so I lied on my application, and she didn't say anything. And I've been serving as a missionary without being a follower of Christ for several years. And I said, how do you feel? And he started crying again. And he said, I finally get it. I feel wonderful. I feel amazing. So... If that story was for you, not just a nice story to hear, if that one was for you, pay attention tonight. And if it wasn't for you, just bonus, stop eavesdropping. (laughs) Okay. I feel like tonight's really important because like I said said before, tonight we're going to have a time where we're just going to provide some place for you to say, I want to be closer to Christ, whether that's someone who, who has never followed Christ or someone who has been for a long time and needs to deal with some business or any number of things in between. So the first thing I want to do is not make the assumption that we're all ready to do that. You know, oftentimes in scripture, when, when Someone's about to come into the presence of God. When God says, I'm coming to you, he says, purify yourselves. Get ready because you're about to be in the presence of the Lord. And this is not something I can accomplish for you as a speaker standing in the front. And I think it would be irresponsible of me to say we're about to have a space for you to meet with the Lord and not provide also a space for you to prepare for that. So we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to lead you through a couple of prayer things. And just so you know, I realize that for many of you, you're like, if I close my eyes, I will see you tomorrow. And I want you to understand, you don't need to close your eyes to pray. The, the, the real reason we do that is just to remove distractions. And there are many ways to remove distractions. You can, you can just look up at the ceiling. That's fine. Like not see all the people around you. You can look down. You can, uh, uh, maybe your eyes don't even, you put your hand over your eyes like this, but keep them open. So many ways you can do it. So, so do whatever you're comfortable with. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide you basically to, through three things. And then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to talk some about the word. Okay, so close your eyes or not, however you like. And here's the first thing. Prayer, remember, is just us communicating with the Lord. It's an amazing thing uh, to, to talk to God. And remember that God promises that where three or more are gathered, God is there as well, which means right now, this moment, we know because God has promised that it is true, that whether he feels close to you or far from you, that he is here in this room with us. And he has a message for us. He wants to speak to us. And it's not necessarily the message I'm about to give you. He very well may have something completely different to say to you. And I would encourage you that if he's speaking to you while I'm speaking and there are different messages, please tune me out. That would be great. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is this. I want you to pray to the Lord 
and tell him all the things that are distracting you. Uh, relationships, money, business back home, family trouble, uh, something that's happening here at the camp, something about the way you're feeling physically, whatever it may be, I want you to say this to God. I want you to tell him what that thing is and then say, I want to give this to you and trust that for the next 40 minutes, you can take care of it without me worrying about it or thinking about it. And I'm going to give you a moment to do that. So the first thing is we're going to say to Jesus, I'm casting all my cares on you. The things I'm worried about, the things that concern me, the things that distract me, I'm going to trust that you're big enough for an hour to take care of that without me. The second thing is this, mindfulness. What I mean by that is at an event like this, it's easy to get caught up in the fun and the good things we're doing and the good times we're having and maybe miss that God has already been speaking to us. And not just today, maybe for the last week, maybe for months. So I want you to take a moment and think and pray and say, God, is there something you've been saying to me? And maybe you're even already aware of it. Maybe you just need to be reminded. Is there something you're saying to me? Think about that thing. Pay attention to it. So we've told God that he can take care of our problems for an hour. We've asked God to remind us or, or to make us aware of what he's saying to us. And the third thing is really simple. I just want you to ask God to reveal to you, simple but possibly terrifying, his presence. He's promised that he's here. Ask him to make you aware that he's here to remind you that he's here.
Lord Jesus, we're told that in the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth, and that there's nothing that is made except by you. And that you spoke, and things came into being, light, and, and land rose from the water, and animals, and nature, all these beautiful things we've been enjoying this weekend, that you did that by storytelling. That when you tell a story, it changes the world. It shapes reality because your desires and what is are so closely connected because of your power. And yet, you're here with us tonight to talk to us. What is man that you are mindful of him? And you say, you love us. Well, Lord, these things are hard to believe, but we do believe. Help us overcome our unbelief. In your name, amen. Oh, I want to tell you a story about a woman named Jessica. From the time Jessica was a little girl, really young, she knew that she didn't want to grow up to be like her mother. Her mom, she loved her. She's a single mom and she worked super hard. She, she cared about her so much, but she couldn't stand the way her mom looked so tired all the time or the dark eyes, the dark circles under her eyes or the way that she would open a can of tuna and say to Jessica, this is for dinner before she ran out to her second job. And Jessica said, no, that's not gonna be me. I'm not gonna live a life like that. And she and her mom, it's, it's not like her mom was unaware. They had this symbol of the better life. It was this, this magazine uh, commercial, like an advertisement they had ripped out of a magazine for this French perfume called Baccarat. And, and they put it up in the bathroom, this picture on the mirror. And this perfume, it's crazy, $1,000 an ounce. And Jessica said, that's, that's the kind of woman I want to be. The kind of woman who goes out for the evening, and before she goes, she just puts luxury on herself. $1,000 an ounce, but she just dabs it on before she goes out for a date. That's going to be my life. And, and she wasn't stupid. She was aware of what that meant, the kind of sacrifices it would mean in her life. She knew she'd have to go to college. She knew she'd have to work through college, all those things. And she set out to do it. She did. And she got to school and she realized the money was a little tighter than she expected, but she was making it happen. And one week she was out with her friends. They went to this bar and, it, and they had one of those dumb contests, like a dance contest. And the winner got $150. And she's sitting there with her friends just watching. They're drinking beers and laughing about it. And she realized the weirdest thing, that the girl who won the competition actually wasn't the best dancer. She was just the sexiest dancer. And she thought, I could do that. So the next week, she came in, and she got herself into the dance competition, and she won. 
150 bucks for, you know, a half hour of work. And she didn't like to think about it. She didn't like to reflect on what happened after that because it all changed so quickly. And it seemed like it was just small little things along the way, but it wasn't long before uh, she was making money dancing. She hadn't been doing that too long before she realized that she could cross a little line and make some more money if she was willing to take off more clothes. And then she realized she could make more money if she got a little closer to the men who were there. And maybe a little more if she's willing to touch them. And she really didn't think about it often, but there was somehow this one little line that she thought, there's a little more money on the other side of that, and what is it really going to change at this point? And uh, she crossed that line too. So she had money, plenty of money actually. It was way easier to make money this way than she had, uh, you know, as a waitress. So she had money, but was she happy? Well, no. God, no, she wouldn't say that. Uh, but, but she did have the money, and she was saving some even. And at one point, she moved to New Orleans because she heard the money was a little better there. But she got pregnant and had to get an abortion, and that changed things. Uh, it slowed her down. It ate through her savings, and she found herself back kind of at square one again. And along the way, she had been scrimping and saving and she had managed to get just this little, tiny, tiny vial of Baccarat. And, and she put it where she would get ready, you know, for her dates. That's how she liked to think about it, her dates. She put, she put it in the bathroom right by the mirror. And every once in a while, when she was feeling down, when she was feeling really frustrated about where she was and with her life, she would take just the tiniest bit of that Baccarat and put it on herself. And it did what it was supposed to. It made her feel oh, like she was worthwhile, like she was someone important, like she was doing what she had always imagined, what she had always planned to do, even though she knew that wasn't true. But it made her feel that way. And she could really say to herself, I'm just going out on a date. I'm that woman who dabs herself with luxury and goes out the door to do the things she wants to do. And that pretty quickly just became the norm. That was life. And one day, some of her friends were talking about this party they had been to, and they said, they said, Jesse, you wouldn't believe it. There was this, like, church guy at our party. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know those guys. I've met those guys. And they're like, no, 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 no. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. In fact, he didn't, no, he didn't do any of that stuff. Uh, what was crazy is he came to our party and he interacted with us like we were normal people. Like he treated us with respect and kindness. And she was like, ha ha. <laughs> like, I know that's not true. And they're like, no, really. This young teacher guy. And it kind of bothered her. It was kind of weird. She thought about it. And, uh, you know, later that week, actually, one of her friends sent her an email and said, hey, I saw this thing online that some rich guy on the other side of town is hosting this guy for, like, people to come and meet him. And she thought, well, that's weird. I'm not, I'm not going to that. But the night of it, she was sitting at home. as one of her rare nights off. And she looked in the mirror, and she couldn't help but realize that she just 
looked a lot like her mom. She looked tired. There were dark circles under her eyes. And she realized in a lot of ways she had become her mom. In fact, in a lot of ways she was not living as good a life as her mom had. And she said to herself, fine, fine, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go check out this guy. I mean, at least it's something different, right? And she got up and she got her purse and almost as an afterthought, she grabbed that little bit of Baccarat and threw it in the purse. She put on her favorite clothes. She had this like red uh, sleeveless blouse she liked and, and a, a short leather skirt and high leather boots. And she got in her beat up old Chevy Nova and she drove to the other side of town. And she parked near the rich guy's property. I mean, it was huge. But she wasn't sure if she should drive up the driveway because it was really weird. It was made out of crushed seashells, which, I mean, just seemed laughable in how ridiculous it was. So she walks up this long driveway and she rings the doorbell and this woman opens the door and she's wearing like, a, like an evening gown, like something you'd wear to a wedding. And, and Jessica could see immediately what the woman saw when she looked out at Jessica, and that was she thought to herself, oh, this woman is a tramp. She's cheap. And she felt that way by the way the woman looked at her. But the woman let her in, and she walked into this gigantic, like, atrium kind of place with, like, the long stairwell, all these things she had seen in the movie. And no one, no one took her coat or anything. And she walked in, and she found the... Uh, she found the teacher. He's sitting at, in this room with all these people in suits, and he's just wearing jeans and kind of a ratty jacket. And nobody took his jacket either. And she's watching them sitting around there talking to him, and she suddenly realizes she knows exactly what's going on. These people didn't bring in the teacher because they're interested in his teaching or because they think it might be interesting the way he interacts with other human beings. They brought him in like you bring in a party trick. He's the clown. He's the pony. He's the entertainment. And it made her so angry that these people would treat him like that. She doesn't even know him. It made her furious. And she went up to them, and in the middle of their conversation, she interrupts them and says, excuse me, can I take your coat? And the teacher looks up at her and he says, that would be nice, thank you. And he hands her his coat. And she walks out with it. She doesn't know where to put it. <laughs> There's no, she doesn't know where the coat room is. Uh, so, so she goes back to the room with the big stairwell and she hangs it over the banister. And then she comes back and she sees that they, they haven't refilled his water glass and he's sitting there talking. So she goes over and she fills his water glass. And she's watching him and she's thinking, what else, what else can I do here? And everyone's looking at her like she's the interruption, which she is, she knows. Like she doesn't fit in, and she doesn't, she knows. And she looks at the teacher and he looks so tired. And I don't know, if there's one thing she knows how to do, it's give a massage. So she comes up behind him and she starts to rub his neck and his shoulders. And he doesn't say anything, he doesn't say get out of here, stop touching me, knock it off. He just keeps talking as, oh, almost as if he hasn't noticed. And as she continues to massage him, it's like her whole life comes into that moment. 
and she starts to cry. And she can't stop herself, and she knows, <laughs> she knows how it looks. But she starts to kiss him while she's crying. And then she's thinking, what else, what else can I do? It just doesn't feel like enough. And she thinks of that little tiny thing of perfume in her purse, and she pulls it out, and she puts a little on her hands, and she starts to just put it in his hair, rub it on his neck. And it's not enough. It's not coming out fast enough. And she sets it on the table, and she breaks it and soaks her hands in it and just covers him in it, hoping that it makes him feel a little bit like she feels when she puts it on. And she looks at the people at the table and she knows what they're thinking. She can look across and see the rich man who's hosting the meal and he's looking at her and it's like she can read his mind. He's thinking, if this guy was really a man of God, if he was a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, if he was anything worth listening to, he would know the kind of woman who's touching him. And there's no way he would stand for that. But he didn't tell her to stop. He didn't flinch. He didn't pull away. And the preacher said to the rich man, Simon, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon said, what is it? He said, there were two people who had borrowed money from someone. One of them had borrowed $35,000. And the other had borrowed $350. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. They just didn't have it, and they couldn't get it. So the lender decided to forgive them both the debt. Which of the people in debt, which of those two, do you think loved the lender more? And Simon said, I suppose the one with the larger debt. The teacher said, that's right. And then he turned and looked at Jessica as if, as if he had just noticed her arrival. And he said, do you see this woman? Of course he saw her. Everyone saw her. Everyone saw the woman who had come from the wrong side of the tracks, wearing the wrong kind of clothes, who had interrupted their conversation and was doing really something that was making everyone uncomfortable. Of course he saw her. What a ridiculous question. Do you see this woman? woman. He said, you see her. I came into your house and no one took my coat. But she not only took my coat, she massaged my shoulders. Uh, you, you didn't so much as shake hands with me and she can't stop kissing me. You didn't show me where to wash my hands and she's covered me with expensive perfume. She's done a lot of things wrong in her life. Her sins are many, but she's been forgiven. You can tell because of how much she loves me. Because if someone has been only forgiven a small amount, their love is also small. Then the preacher turned and he looked right at her and he made sure she was looking at him. They locked eyes. 
And he put his hand on her cheek and he said, your debts are all paid. Your sins are forgiven. And the table started buzzing with conversation. Everyone's saying, who does he think he is that he can say that someone's sins are forgiven? Only God forgives sins, but the preacher just smiled and he said, your faith has saved you. When you leave here, leave at peace with yourself and with God. And the funny thing, the funny thing for Jessica is she walked out of that beautiful house and down the driveway to her old beat-up car. The funny thing that was that, that in all the years to come, all the things that happened to her, all the things she did, all the circumstances of her life, that those few sentences meant more to her than any bottle of perfume ever could. Your debts are all paid. Your sins are forgiven. And she wrote them on a little three-by-five card. And she put them on her mirror. And she never, never took them down. Uh, this story, obviously, I think, is inspired by one that we find in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, if you want to look at it. It really is in the Bible and everything. Luke chapter 7. It says that one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And the Pharisees, we tend to think of them as the uh, one-dimensional bad guys, but that's not, that's not who they were. They were the religious leaders of the day. They were by far the most committed and passionate followers of Christ, of Christ, of God. Uh, and they were well known for that. People looked to them for answers. They were the kinds of people that we hear on radio shows and see on TV and see in our churches. They were the religious leaders, the ones we turned to when we had questions, when we had problems. That's who the Pharisees were. So one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to dinner with him, and Jesus went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at that house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, so he's sitting at the table with his feet curled behind him, she wet his feet with her tears. She was crying so much. And then she wiped the tears away with her hair, and then she kissed his feet, and she put the perfume on his feet. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon said, tell me. Simon said, right? That's our theme. Two people owed money to a moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither had the money to pay him back, so he forgave their debts, which will love him more. Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Good job. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, a greeting kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, something they did to refresh travelers, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. 
as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman who comes into Jesus' presence in this house, this was a scandal. Not a scandal because she walked into the house. That's fine. She was invited. It was sort of an open community thing. Anybody who wants to come, come on by. I'm hosting this. Feel free to drop by. So it wasn't a scandal that she was there. It was a scandal that she thought it was okay to walk so close to the teacher and to touch him that someone like her would do this. And I hate to say it, but in this culture at that time, for her to let her hair down in public and to kiss him was unquestionably sexual in appearance. I'm not saying it was actually sexual, but that it would have been absolutely inappropriate. Some of you felt uncomfortable when I started telling the story and the woman was massaging the teacher. You started to feel nervous. Yeah, that's how you should feel when you read this. What, what is she doing? It's scandalous. It's completely inappropriate, especially given that it's likely, we don't know for sure, but many scholars think that her sinful life was likely to have been as a sex worker of some kind. And most commentators agree that the perfume she uses uh, was most likely one of the tools of her trade, something she used at her job or had purchased for her job and most likely with money from her job. And Simon is thinking if Jesus was a prophet, he would know that this woman is a sinner like he isn't. Yeah? And when I hear this story, I have to ask myself, if I were to put myself in the story, who am I? <laughs> who am I? Am I the one who has very little to forgive and sees how much the people around me need to be forgiven? It's worth considering. And Jesus tells them this story of someone who owed more than a year's salary, most likely, and someone who owed very little, a month, half a month's salary. And Jesus says, you can tell this woman has been forgiven. We know she's been forgiven. It's clear she's been forgiven. It's not a question that she's been forgiven because look how much she loves me. Obviously she's forgiven because the one who's been forgiven much loves much. And the one who's been forgiven little or is not aware of how much they've been forgiven, well, they don't love very much at all, do they? So, and then we get into this part where Jesus is saying, you didn't give me this, but she did that. And these things weren't actually even expected, right? You didn't have to give someone oil for their head. You, you, didn't, you didn't have to do those things. You don't have to give someone a kiss and greeting. 
It's not rude if you don't. Like, it's not necessarily rude if you come to my house and I don't shake hands with you, right? If I'm like, hey, come on in. It's not necessarily rude. But if it was a respected guest, a visitor, you would expect someone to pull out the stops and do everything. And he's saying, you didn't even do these little things, common courtesies. It's not like you were rude to me. It's not like you were excited I was here either. And this woman, look at her. She's going above and beyond, doing so much more. Her sins are forgiven. And I think we get caught up in this thing sometimes where we look at the world in religious culture sometimes <laughs> uh, we say this to each other, bring your best to God. And I'm not saying that's all bad. There are good things about that. There are scriptural things that lead us to that. Bring your best to God. We wear our fanciest clothes, do our best, right? Like, and I'm sure most of us who are in families have been in a car where there's a horrific argument going on right up to the doorstep of the church. Like, when we get home, we're going to have words of... Oh, praise Jesus, it's so good to see you all. What a lovely day. And then you get back in the car and you're like, no, you're not getting ice cream, right? Because we have to bring our best to God, which means we have to pretend to be better than we are for God uh, so that everyone around us can see we have so little to be forgiven for. Hurrah. And, and we can do this so many ways, right? I'll give you an example from my life. It'd be really easy for me to go, um, man, I'm working hard to serve God. I've written so many books, so many books for God. And then God's like, I mean, I wrote one, and it's the bestseller in the world. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of did a sequel, but it's really one work. Uh, so, I mean, it's fine. I'm glad you wrote those books and everything. Or I could be like, I'm so, ah, oh, people say I'm a good speaker, and I'm really bringing that to God, bringing him my best, like doing my best as a speaker. Here's my best, God. And he's like, ah, oh, so awesome, Matt. Like, remember when I spoke the world into being? I mean, one sentence to create light, that was pretty good. You know? Or, or like I look at my, let's say academics, right? Like you're in college or something, and you're like, God, I'm getting a 4.0 for you. And he's like, I know literally everything. <laughs> I mean, good for you. You have mastered Algebra 1. I am super excited to see what happens when you get to pre-calc. I mean, I have my guesses. See, and I think that's what, uh, uh, <laughs> and I'm not saying these things are bad, right? But I'm saying we get in our heads thinking that we're doing something amazing by bringing God our best. That I, and I just imagine like, okay, imagine something like the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo paints most of his life to create this beautiful work of art that is largely thought by many people to be perhaps one of the greatest works of art that humanity has made. And we bring that to God and he goes, I really like this. And I'm going to put it on my refrigerator. <laughs> you know, I love it when my kids make me a picture of a sheep out of cotton and glue. I'm so excited. I'm glad to put it on the fridge. But I did make quarks and like the duck-billed platypus and the sky. But thank you for this finger painting. It's really lovely. 
The fact is everything we have that we can bring to God is so little compared to what he already has. And these are beautiful things. It is, it is good for us to bring to him the sacrifices and to work hard and to, and to do our best for him, for sure. But it's nothing compared to what he could already do. And what's scandalous is to think that we can walk up so close as this woman did that we can touch him. And that all our offerings and sacrifices, they're not enough to get us into his presence. They aren't. And yet Isaiah says, Isaiah 61 says, that when we bring him ashes, he crowns us with beauty. And that when we come to him mourning, dressed in funeral clothes, he pours the perfume of gladness on us. And we come to him with despair and say, I can't take this anymore. It says, he looks at us and says, these are the oaks of righteousness. They are strong, living examples of those who do what is right. See, we've got to stop. We've got to stop trying to prove we're worthy. We aren't. We won't be. And we've got to stop trying to hide our sins by sitting at the table and judging the people around us and pretending we've got it all together. See, our sins, the things we've done wrong, we bring those to him too. And we lay them at his feet, weeping. And what he says to us is, what you have brought me is beautiful in my eyes. So we come to him and we say, hey, I'm a liar, a cheater, a thief. I'm proud. I'm full of myself. And this is like perfume. It's the best thing we have. How did we get it? Where did it come from? Well, how did she get her perfume? Where did that come from? How did she pay for it? And he turns to us and he looks us in the eye and he says, your sins forgiven. Your debts are paid. But you don't understand. That's what we think. You don't understand. I have done horrible things. I am doing horrible things. I'm planning to do terrible things. But he does know. He does. You think it's a secret? You think he's unaware? Oh, you don't know him very well yet then. He knows. He knows and he loves you. He knows and he desires to be in relationship with you. He knows every horrible thing you've done, every terrible thing that's been done to you, every response you've had, every trauma, every trauma you've experienced or created, and he loves you. And your debts are forgiven. They're paid. It's done. So let's, uh, so we have this choice, right? Are we going to accept the gift that is offered when he says to us, your debts are paid, your sins are forgiven, leave here at peace with God and each other. There is no reason any person in this room needs to leave this room not experiencing peace. 
peace with God and peace with each other. So in a moment here, actually right now I'm going to ask, there's a variety of people who have volunteered to be counselors tonight. So for my counselors, if you could come up front here, uh, here's what we're going to do. The Christian journey uh, is one we take in community. You don't have to do it alone. And yes, it's frightening to be in the presence of God sometimes because everything's about to change. But like we talked about the first night, uh, it's about to change. Who's calling, do you think? <laughs> should probably answer that. Just saying. Who God desires us to be in relationship with him. There's a burning bush in your life right now, and God is saying your name. He has something to say to you. And tonight, these gentlemen up front, what they're here to do is this. If you need a hand, if there's something you don't understand, if you're feeling stuck, if you just want somebody to pray for you, they're up here for you. You don't have to stand up here if it makes you uncomfortable. Just come grab somebody and say, hey, can we go in the back? Or can we step outside? It doesn't have to be one of these people. It can be somebody that's sitting near you. If you see someone near you that you think they're debating to go do it, just say, hey, can I go with you? Hey, let's do this as brothers. And I want to especially say for those who have never decided to follow Jesus, hey, tonight could be the night. All you have to do is say, that's what I want. Come tell one of these guys. Tell a guy next to you. They'll show you the way. If you've been pretending to be following Jesus and it's time to be honest, then good. Let's get it out. If you, if you think you should follow Jesus and you don't want to and you want to talk about it, great. Let's be honest. Let's have that conversation. And if there's just something on your heart that God's dealing with for you, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to, for those of you, uh, if, if you're going to stay in your seat, if you feel like you're in the right place with everything, if you're not dealing with something, could you pray for those around you and those who are coming up? Uh, and if you're in your seat and you're like, I can't get up, but I need somebody, just raise your hand. Somebody's gonna come to you, okay? We'll find you. We'll find you. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I've got this little vial of perfume in my life and it's a way I've been trying to make myself feel better but it's not you. And I know with some of my brothers here, that's true. And I know some of my future brothers are here and they can't escape that voice saying their name right now and that you're saying, follow me. God, help us to listen to the deeper voice of our hearts that have been transformed or are about to be transformed. Give us the courage to do what we most deeply want and to set aside only everything to receive so much more. Be with us, be present in this moment. In your name, amen.
You're feeling like a war inside of you. That you're like, I feel like I should do this, but I'm not sure if I should. I just want to say this. Re remember Jessica when she's deciding whether to go hear the teacher. Remember Moses when he keeps seeing this burning bush off on the side and wondering if he should go check it out. It's okay. You don't have to be certain. Let, let these people come. There, there's. Raise your hand, actually, if you don't have someone you're praying with, just so we know who's okay. Good. There are a few over here as well. Feel free to come or grab someone near you. Father, thank you for making clear the simple beauty of the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you that in this place, it, that good news has freed men from bondage, from the penalty of sin. And Father, things have been set and made new. Thank you for that. Amen. Guys down front here, you um, invite you to kind of move um, out in a second out to the tent out there and encourage the rest of you to um, uh, have the conversations that you need to have. As long as there is a day called today, it could be your day of salvation. Do that business with God. Invite a brother into that. Have the conversation. Don't leave that place. We're going to close this time here uh, down.
and transition into the other things that are happening this evening. But very central to that is all still focused on the gospel and the good news of Jesus. So we're going to dismiss here in just a second. And there's a snack down at the evergreen area that you're welcome to go get and enjoy. And then at the 9.45, back in here in the forum, Rapture Ruckus is going to be having a concert and uh, just jamming, having music. You, you'll, you'll catch that concert inside this building. You'll catch it outside this building uh, that way. And uh, so that'll be a good time in here. And there's the um, dodgeball tournament, soccer tournament happening up at the rec field, dodgeball tournament down at the basketball court. So there's lots that's going on tonight. These guys are going to be out under the tent here. If you want to circle back around to the tent and pray with somebody, do that. But thank you for gathering tonight. And we'll see you in the morning.